How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Alternative Blacks. I am your host, Tyler Washington, and we back. We back. I want to give a quick shout out to Oprah Brewing Company for being a day one supporter and a sponsor of the show. I also want to give a shout out to Mary's for always having the hookup. Yesterday, but uh, last week, but I wanted to do a quick shout out to Chris for holding it down on the last episode. Uh, if you go to our link in our bio, you will see a link tree. You can support us on Patreon through there. If you want to also become part of the team, that's another good way of doing uh, reaching out. DM us, or you can reach out to Chris or myself individually. What up, Chris? Hey, man. It's, uh, so, <clears throat> I went out to get beer. No, you didn't. I know, crazy, right? I come back, and kitchen floor is completely soaked. Look, I look up, there's just this huge water spot in the ceiling. I was like, oh, no. And you can see it dripping through the ceiling. I mean, it was everywhere and i'm like it was completely dry when i left so i was i was like oh shit we have a bad leak or something um all the landlord comes over he's like there's a lot of water but i'm not seeing a leak so he goes upstairs to the apartment above and apparently the oven the stove caught on fire stove caught on fire who's stove caught on fire uh, up the apartment up above us, stove catches on fire. Stove falls on the ground, and they're like throwing the throwing water on it. I guess, and the water came through like the holes where the wiring. Okay, on it's through. all right. I'll take care of it. <laughs> so that uh, yeah, being said, uh, I just barely had time to scarf down dinner here before the show started. So. Like, my stomach is still expanding. My gosh. From the food. Well, I wanted to say uh, real quick to you, thanks for holding down the fort last week. You did an incredible job. Yeah, uh, no. Thank John. Yeah, John, thanks for uh, making the show what it was. Ooh, um, this is for, good. What are, you, what are you drinking? Peanut butter cup stout. Okay. Bye. Big Muddy. Big Muddy? Big Muddy Brewing. Whoa, where's that out of? They are out of... Illinois. Illinois? Murphy, Murfreesboro, Illinois. Nice. This is more... So I guess this is more like a malt beverage than a, than a beer, per se. But... Good. It's uh, heavy on the chocolate, nice little bit of peanut butter. Um, it's only 5%, so it's really easy drinking. So. What's up? Uh, we got to, you know, we have, I have to share some bad news for anybody that is involved in the tennis community in the Reading area. Uh, yesterday, uh, my, my high school tennis coach, and we talk about tennis on the show from time to time. So uh, I just want to give him, well, you know, respect and say, you know, he, uh, my coach Russell Moore unfortunately passed away yesterday. 
Um, and so that was tough. You know, he's been a tennis coach up there at Redding High for 30 years or so. Uh, and he's just been a huge part of my life and anybody's lives that uh, he had came, uh, come in contact with. So a bunch of us did actually go to the courts last night. Uh, some people were already up there playing and some people just, you know, along with myself felt it was right to, to be there in that moment. So it was, uh, yeah, Jonathan also knew him very well, played tennis with, uh, with myself in high school. So uh, it was, yeah. it's just been a tough time. Uh, so crazy it's crazy he was he was reading tennis you know like he was city he was the city of reading so i mean again he was great great man but a great black man great black tennis player and so you know being able to see yourself in a position like that when we talk about representation you know he he was a great example of that and he was really a father figure as well to a lot of us so uh we're definitely all in pain but uh you know as i said just being up there that's kind of where he would have wanted all of us to be anyway so we're going to be doing a big celebration uh for him at some point there too so let's get into the show i do have a sample for you just one today i don't think i've done this yet have i used the arctic monkeys as a sample yet who <laughs> arctic monkeys so this is their 2013 song called Knee Socks. Knee Socks. Yeah. Where's that from? <laughs> You're supposed to figure that out. <laughs> this one's tough. It, it was really tough. I, you might have been better off if I actually had an example for you. Mm -hmm. I, I think the image I would have tried to use would have been like a checkered flag. A checkered flag. Something like that. I am just, I'm completely lost on this one. But hold on, hold on, hold on. No, I don't got, I don't got nothing. I All got right. nothing. Cool. So this was a song of 2018 from the late great Nipsey Hussle. Mm. Victory Lap. Victory Lap. There it is. It's it's in there the whole time, just like. In the background, it's it's a nice little sample, but we didn't have anything for you guys last week. I didn't have anything today because I got backed up on a lot of things, um, you know, with with my coach's passing. And uh, yeah, so I'm gonna let you take the the lead again. You did so well last week. Might as well give it to you this week. So ah, here's the torch <laughs> or the hot potato, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, so, you know, tomorrow is uh, June 19th, um, celebrating Juneteenth, and as uh, as Governor Wolf just declared it a special holiday, it's a state holiday, it's not a national holiday, so he calls it, so it's called a special holiday. Um, 
you know, I, I think it would only be right that we kind of at least, you know, touch upon <clears throat> the history of it um, and then kind of double back on, you know, why it's important to know the true history of things um, instead of just like the prevailing narrative um, and the prevailing uh, story and that, you know, that one viewpoint that we always learn about. Um, especially with Juneteenth. So we'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, first we wanted to kind of, in that vein, hit a little beer-related topic, especially if anyone who was listening last week. Um, Raj from Oak Park Brewing out in Sacramento was talking about, um, you know, African beer made from sorghum. Um, Oak Park did a sorghum beer, and they're releasing it tomorrow on Juneteenth in celebration of Juneteenth. Um, so I thought, why not just dive into some info on, you know, this beer, this sorghum based beer out of, uh, out of Africa. And it comes, um, mainly from the Bantu, um, people, uh, which Bantu is an extremely, um, wide range of people, extremely wide group of people, um, and basically, if you're you are Bantu, if you speak one of the Bantu languages, and there's like 600 <laughs> languages, but it's so it, it incorporates a hugely diverse ethnic group of people in Sub-Saharan Africa, indigenous people. <clears throat> um, the Zulu word for this beer was called Unkomboti. Say that again. Um, Unkomboti. Ah, yes. Yeah, I I might be butchering that, but uh, I also I, I I historically cannot read the like the phonetic spelling whenever they put that there, so I just disregard it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the main ingredients of it were sorghum, uh, maize or corn, um, millet, and cassava root. Cassava root. Okay. Yeah, and interestingly enough, cassava is something that I only just heard about like the other day. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what it is, but... Uh, I couldn't I, tell you. I've heard of it for something and some other reason. doesn't matter because I don't know enough about it, but I've heard about yeah. it. I've heard, yeah, we've heard about it, see? <laughs> um, yeah, so it was brought south uh, by the Bantu-speaking people, um, and now it's... Um, now it's big in South Africa, uh, with, with the history of South Africa being there's a large amount of Bantu people in South Africa. Most of the black people there are are of that um, are of that group, that cultural group. Um, so I just I just threw some like quick info about uh, Bantu people up here. Um, like the list is, as you can see, long and vast in terms of just like prevailing groups that are covered under Bantu in all parts of, in all countries of Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, but I, if you have it up, the last one, <laughs> the Songa. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> thought you might need the little pick-me-up. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but now the Gulu are are encompassed under the Bantu people, the Shona in Zimbabwe, Luba in the Congo, um, Sukuma in Tanzania, 
Kikyu in Kenya, um, and Josa. I think I'm saying that That's wrong, right? That's yeah, but they're also, they're also uh, predominantly in South Africa, along with the Zulu and seven or eight other uh, seven or eight other eth- ethnic groups that encompass the Bantu people. Now that we're like on this top one well, in this region of the world. Uh, well, Titan from Songa being one of our fellow alternative blacks, <laughs> tennis player, French tennis player out of um, France. French, France. Tennis player, France. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But no, it was interesting that we're talking about South Africa at this moment because did you read what happened with the Arthur Ashe statue? Yeah, it was defaced. Right, because what happened was it's Richmond, Virginia, which is where he resided, and there's a sh- stretch of memorials and statues called, I think it was like Monument Avenue or something like that. Well, like six of those statues were Confederate statues, so they had been defaced, but then like also taken down eventually. And so White Lives Matter decided to, to tag it up. And so they defaced this whole statue with White Lives Matter things. And uh, it was just really interesting to me because, you know, you talk about Confederate uh, statues that, you know, you can talk about Confederacy, it tore a country apart. But then you look at um, South Africa and the apartheid and uh, sporting color barriers that existed in South Africa at the time as well. And Arthur Ashe had a lot to do with championing, championing those rights and helping with with a lot of different issues over in South Africa. So that one, again, hit home for me when that got defaced because you want to talk about actual history and, and people actually trying to make a positive change in the world. That was one of those guys who really um, did it when we talk about disparities and, and uh, talk about sports. We talk about movies and people that are, um, you know, how long it took for another person to, to even win awards and accolades you know you're talking about Arthur Ashe who is still the only black American who won I think Wimbledon and Australian Open and then U.S. Open I think it was so uh at least in the open era so it's it's I'm frustrated there's a lot to be frustrated about also they'll be doing a biopic on Arthur Ashe uh that got announced like two days ago so for me it's also hard to believe that that wasn't like a motivation behind defacing it as well. So I'm con- I'm gonna let you continue, but I, I had to give that like props. And I'm gonna let you finish. Yeah, and Jonathan said people are mad and have no idea what is happening or what has happened, and he's right. People are just you know they're being faced with issues that they don't know anything about and are feeling attacked. Um, so there's just madness going on. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, especially considering like it's also probably a reaction to all the other monuments being taken down, mm-hmm. and all of them were slave owners. So I don't I don't get it. No, it, it, it's it's a uh, it's madness. It's stupid. But do you see who just came in? Ah, yes, Black Sprue Beer, Raj. So it's it's a sign we should get back into our conversation. Let's let's keep going. Right. Um, so as we as we're just kind of going over uh, some quick info about Umkumboti, um, I have a couple I have a couple quotes taken out of uh, this article, uh, which we're going to link. Uh, Eventually, in, when I put all the episodes up. When, when yeah, when it's official. 
the link will be in there. You can go check this article out for yourself. Um, it says, you know, in most African cultures, uh, both what goes into the utensils, the beer, and the utensils themselves were made by women. Um, these would be usually like the beer strainers to filter the beer out. Um, and these activities were symbolic with uh, creative and productive abilities of women. Um, in most of in most of the uh, traditional beer making, you know, especially in these rural areas, uh, women are the ones making the beer. So they cool. are the brewers. That is so amazing. And it's tied to you know their beliefs of fertility and things of that nature that the women are to. Uh, are good for brewing the beer. But um, <clears throat> I also pulled out this quote here about how important it was. Uh, it says, together with meat and snuff slash tobacco, uh, it is regarded as an essential offering for the ancestors and is believed to facilitate uh, contact with them. Uh, thus, it is generally poured on the ground as a libation for the ancestors. So that was really cool to read because that just automatically was like, pour some out from like my homie type of idea like i honestly if i wasn't on the rec board i was going to take beer up to the courts and pour some i was going to pour some out for yeah. coach like but then i i thought legalities and all this other stuff and what like image that would look like with me going up and doing that so i decided yeah, not to but it was it was a cool connect because that is something that even culturally it has transitioned to America in that sense, and, or that's something that we were able to keep with us in some way. It's always interesting to me doing research on like African traditions and like old old time traditions, um, and seeing what actually like it made it. You know what I mean? Wasn't able to be like completely taken away from us, and without us realizing it either. You know, until you do this research and into things, you know, you don't realize how uh, how strong of a connection still exists in certain avenues. So that was really cool to read. Thank you for sharing that. Of course, I thought I thought it was great to kind of uh, bring back around of, you know, this isn't just something that they were doing. It was something important to them that they were doing. And this is completely independent of any European influence. This is completely independent of any European brewing uh methodology this yeah. this was traditional african um methodology uh the egyptians brewed beer you know this kind of thing it's very ancient it's very old um so then i had a, i have a couple other quotes here um just kind of uh going over certain practices so in zulu culture uh after the beer was made it was usually left in a cool dark place known as uh, Umsamo for the ancestors to taste. And it was believed that the ancestors will not recognize any ceremony without traditional beer. So it's central to their beliefs. Um, and it's, very, it's a very important thing. Um, there's a connection there, you know, with your, with your bloodline, with your relatives, with your ancestors. Um, so I thought, I found that to be very interesting. Um, and the Batotho, um, which is another bit of ethnic group um, in Lesotho. I'm trying to remember if they're south or no south or north Soto. I, I can't remember. Mm. Um, however, Lesotho is the um, nation that's encircled by South Africa. Um, for anyone that didn't know, 
there is there is a uh, there is a country inside of South Africa, a sovereign country inside of South Africa. Um, but the Basotho, on the other hand, used to set aside unstrained beer, molabo, uh, for certain rituals that were performed to keep the ancestors away from their living relatives that they had um, inferred negatively into, interfered negatively, negatively into their lives. Um, and then so you, I'm like, and, and I, I like how you made this correlation, so I'll let you do this. So I was like, oh, unfiltered beer. Must be a hazy. Like, here we have it. The first, <clears throat> we have unfiltered beer, traditional African unfiltered beer. Um, and, and you know, here, here, here it is back in, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years ago. Um, so I, I found, I found those, those things really cool. Um, just looking into this stuff is really, really awesome. Um, and I'm looking forward to do a little bit more digging. Um, I didn't get the chance to really dive into it as I wanted to. And I also know with our time constraints, you know, this is like a good little tidbit of information to kind of get the ball rolling, to get to the gears boost. Yeah, that was great. And it was, it was fascinating. I really like how we were able to tie this together based off of the previous episode that you were hosting. Uh, and learning more about those ingredients and seeing what uh, they they did out in Sacramento. So uh, it, it's so interesting when you see the influence of Black culture across the globe. And um, this is, I, I kept reading this and I had so much appreciation for, for this uh, research and this history. And this is where I get back uh, it still makes me angry when I hear that phrase. Well, black people just don't like craft beer or, or don't like beer. You, you, you know what I mean? Uh, um, yeah. yeah, that's it, clearly not the issue. It comes back to exposure, representation, um, and what parts of the current craft beer culture, what, what obligation and um, accountability do they have to ensure, you know, I, I just don't understand it from a business side, because yes, your business is doing fine, you you're making money, but you could be making more money. And that just doesn't. So if you go from a capitalism, like mentality, there, there that is from a social structure, it's just again, um, from civil rights, and understanding, just being in spaces and being represented and having different opportunities because when we talk about craft beer community we also talk about networking and exposure to different lifestyles and exposure to opportunities so uh, i'm just frustrated i've been very frustrated lately with the current climate of the world so yeah um one point that i thought of though is uh as you were mentioning you know you know it doesn't make sense from a business model standpoint um no it doesn't however <laughs> There's like kind of like that uh, flip side of the coin in the terms of a group uh, or, you know, a business that is uh, that is doing it exclusively for the money. And then what that stereotypical ad looks like and the way that you portray or try to sell yourself to that group of people or what you perceive to be that group of people. Um, and if it's an ignorant group of people, you know, you're going to um, it's going to 
be something like uh, that. What was that brewery? Uh, that brewery out in Cali. Black Tide. That, yeah, it's gonna be some shit like that, or the other one that um, that had some other like just black exploitation type stuff. Like that's that's kind of the opposite end of that as well. You know, it's it, it it's always a balance because things aren't just like a black and white thing. It's just it's not just one thing or the other. Right, and that's why you know with like Dr. J being a part of the uh, diversity and inclusion board that was recently created back in what 2018. It's really exciting and to see what they are going to be doing going forward to try to encourage breweries to expand their like target market and their base. Um, so people like Dr. J have extensive knowledge on how to do do all of this. Uh, that's, that's part of what we're trying to build up to being is a resource and a tool for, you know, not just people to get involved in craft beer, but to also work with craft breweries and how they can uh, become more inclusive and work with them on diversity and inclusion. So that's why you should definitely help us out on our Patreon. <laughs> but transitioning from the beer, this was a great topic. I enjoyed that so much um, and the history behind it. We're going to continue on with the history and with celebrating what tomorrow is. So we're going to move on to Juneteenth, I believe, right? Yes, Juneteenth. Um, do you want to do you want to read up read off the uh... A little blurb. I pulled. I pulled this from the Juneteenth website, so this is kind of their quick history. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. So Juneteenth is the oldest nationally celebrated. Should I do this? Because I'm messing up already. I messed up the word "the" earlier, so you're good. <laughs> is the oldest nationally celebrated commemoration of the ending of slavery in the U.S. Dating back to 1865, it was on June 19th that the Union soldiers, led by Major General Gordon Granger, landed at Galveston, Texas. With news that the war had ended and that the enslaved were now free. So note that this was two and a half years after Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, which had become official on January 1st, 1863. The Emancipation Proclamation had little impact on the Texans due to the minimal number of Union troops to enforce the new executive order. However, with the surrender of General Lee in April of 1865 and the arrival of General Granger's regiment, the forces were finally strong enough to influence and overcome the resistance. So, again, this, for me, this always comes back to, I, there was a moment growing up that July 4th started bothering me. Yeah. And I, I can liken it to the last time I was at Independence Hall to, like, see the Liberty Bell and started getting, like, kind of pissed off and, like, thinking, like, this shit ain't for me. Like, why am I here? Like, this, this isn't something for me to be celebrating because it didn't do shit for me. Like, when we talk about Black people in, 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 as a culture in America, for certain. So... July 4th always, not always, as I said, at a certain point started becoming weird to me. Juneteenth, once I finally had an understanding for that, uh, became, you know, my 
mind celebration, you know, but even then we're talking about what's still going on in the current climate today in the current world. And so while Juneteenth uh, tomorrow is going to be a day for celebration, um, it's frustrating because there's, there's still a lot that we're, we're fighting for. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, on, on the point of, you know, lost history, this is kind of something, you know, the fact that it's not a national holiday, um, the right. fact that, you know, growing up, you basically learned that Lincoln said the slaves were free and that was it. You know, let's, let's all, let's all put each other on the backs. But really, you know, the South, the South had seceded. So they were no longer part of the country. Therefore, his executive order meant nothing to the South because they didn't rule, he didn't rule over them anymore. You know, he had no jurisdiction to do that anymore. Right. Now, obviously, it was a symbolic thing in the sense of we don't, we the North don't uh, observe you the South seceding, and we're still going to put this order in place. But you still an, had to fight the war to, you know, and get all that done. It was an I mean, economic ploy. that? It was an economic ploy. Like, yeah. We're no yeah. longer recognizing how profitable slavery has been for you guys. So we're, we're going to attack you on that front too. Yeah. And then there's also, there's also that famous quote from Lincoln about, you know, him saying, you know, if he could have, if he could have, you know, not, uh, if he could have kept slavery and, as an institution and avoided the civil war, he would have done that. Right. Like that was another so, part of the history that was brainwashed into us was that Lincoln was this godsend who ended slavery and freed the black man. And it's just like, what are you talking about? Like this, he, he wasn't there for us. He wasn't riding with us. And it was it, it, when, and I'm fumbling with my words because it's, to me at a point, too simple. Like, there, there's so many simple things that we're asking for in, in terms of a culture that we shouldn't have to be fighting for. And so I think I get lost in my head because I shouldn't have to explain this. We shouldn't have to put things out. We shouldn't have to say why the Confederate flag is an issue, why these statues are an issue. Um, and again, I lost, lost my train of thought right there. Well, no, it's, it's, it's difficult because it really is, you really do put it, you know, in a loss for words. Um, because it's, to us, it's very simple, but the thing is perspective is an interesting thing, you know, and people that don't have your perspective and aren't open to having that perspective, they're just blind to all of the negative aspects of your situation. You know, they'll see the positive aspects because they like the pot. They want the positive aspects for their own as well, you know, but you know, it's, it's difficult in general to look at someone else's situation and see the negatives without looking at it, um, looking down at them 
for those negatives. Right. You know what I mean? So now I remember what I wanted to discuss was, so when the term defund the police came, uh, comes up and those type of conversations arise and, and it's for me everything's about restructuring and that was one of our very first episodes was well the education system is outdated and to be quite honest the information that we're being taught is very outdated and fixed it, it, it's it's a it's a narrative being told to appeal to a certain idea of what America should be and the history of America should be. When, when you talk about people on the Confederate flag and how they're like so gun ho about, well, our history, it's like, well, then let's tell our history. The, our history. Exactly. It's like, if, that, like if, that's truly, if that's truly how you feel, which again, I'm not saying erase. I've never said erase any of the history. I don't want the history erased because I actually think that's a pass on America that we yeah. do not deserve. Um, I am all for putting the flag, the Confederate flag, or the Navy Jack, or whatever the fuck it is, into a museum. That. You can teach people. The statues, put them into a museum. Fine. But there's no reason they should be on the street to be celebrated. You can't go to Germany and find a Nazi statue. Yeah, no, you can't. That that's the crazy thing to me. You know, you look you look at you look at something like that, and the whole thing about you know erasing your history. Um, you know, at least from the lens of the you know the Germans, they kind of wanted that was kind of like the prevailing thought, like we need to get this past us. Um, the thing is, uh, you know, they're the, the Jewish people aren't still being actively killed in the streets in Germany because they're Jewish right. by the predominant force that's supposed to protect and serve the people, the, the government that's supposed, that's supposed to serve them, you know, that's not still happening. I think then that's the issue. The issue is it's still happening here. And as, as much as you want to say what's on the books, it's more about what you left off the books. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that. You know, we talked about that in the constitutionalism episode about, you know, no, the constitution didn't say slavery, but it sure as hell meant it. It didn't. It did not say slavery, you know. It is, is one of the so well to avoid outrightly saying the word and or condemning the actual um, institution of slavery and systemic racism. Absolutely. So that's one of the things that you brought up. We, we have said a lot of these things over and over again in our episodes. And, you know, we are definitely thankful for everybody that does listen and pays attention to what we're doing. There's the unfortunate part about it is that we're often preaching to our like choir. choir. So yeah. I mean, it is really important that if you are listening to push out these episodes to people, especially like right now, there's a lot of stupid conversations happening in Facebook chats and comment sections. Throw that shit there. If, if we're able to explain to somebody in an hour what 
what the issue with the Constitution is in, in our mind, or the issue on the education system. Um, just as a challenging thought, and it would save you time from actually writing out a comment. Because <laughs> we comment for you. Right, exactly. But no, it's definitely, it's an interesting thing about how history is told in America. There can be very different uh, approaches to history. You get the history in a classroom that's taught out of a textbook that, and again, we, we always talk about history is written by the victor, right? Which is a very odd thing that we allow like the Confederates' history to be so prevalent in, in some capacity when they lost. Yeah. I, but Well, it goes back to the Lincoln quote. The racism, right? It goes well. No, it goes back to the racism and the you know the prevailing thought of black people in general um, that they you know that they can't pass up on that. Yeah, and when we talk about, I think the erasure we were, we were talking about a little bit in um, erasing history and stuff like that. And any time, you know, it, it to me it feels any time something is brought up by the black community as being an issue of being offensive and still being uh, a problem. One of the many arguments that come from the other side is the erasure of history or you, you know, you can't just pretend it didn't happen. Again, nobody's saying that, but it's even most recently Aunt Jemima. And everyone's talking about, well, every that, we're trying to erase Nancy Green, which apparently a lot of people suddenly knew the history of Nancy Green, because I can even admit that I had no clue about Nancy Green. But I knew Aunt Jemima was a man. Right. Right. That's That's literally been the whole issue with it. And yeah, this whole thing about erasure is is very is very interesting considering the fact that um, you know things things like the Moors' influence on Europe, for example, and European culture um, and history. I mean, the arts and everything. You can go in and you know research, and we could, we could do a whole episode on the Moors. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Alsa with the <laughs> homegirl gone now. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was that was good. That was a good one. No, but you know, the Moors, for example, you know, if if you look back, they they were, and many people think that they're the ones who sparked, you know, the Renaissance. They're the ones who actually facilitated a lot of the art, knowledge, and culture, and sanitary <laughs> practices that Europeans began following um, and doing. Um, so, and, and more is extremely general in terms of, um, you know, it, it's changed over time to what exactly it, it meant. So it meant a couple of different things depending on the era and whatnot, but, uh, at the end of the day, it's just black people from Africa coming into Europe. Right. In, in, in the various uh, ways that that happened. Um, damn, dude. Your pores are crazy. What happened? <laughs> Said those pores are crazy. Uh, don't talk to me about it. It's been tough. <laughs> <laughs> 
quarantine, um, man. Yeah. The other the other thing that I wanted to mention um, in terms of erased history is, you know, we never seem to like to discuss what Christopher Columbus did to the people that were actually living in the places that he quote unquote discovered. Right. He didn't even know where the fuck he was. He thought he was somewhere halfway around the world. Yeah, because I made it. This has to be halfway around the world. I mean, it has to be around the complete around the world. It took too long to get here. Right. It's like, it, it's like one, how dumb can you be? But then the, the, the genocide, the, the rape, the slavery that all came from all of that from him. He was a horribly oppressive person as it was. Um, so, you know, something, something like that. And that's something we actively celebrate in America. You know, we, we're starting to see Columbus uh, statues coming down or at least being covered. Um, I think that's a step. You know, I always go back to the, the thing with America, or at least the thing with black people is the quote, you better be happy that all black people want is equality and not revenge. Yeah. Because, and I'll say this, this is my take on it too. Because when you're looking at the riots, quote unquote, the riots, ooh, ooh. good question. That's a good question. Um, when you look at the riots, that that's in pro like protest of police police brutality and everything like that. And you, you see what that escalated to, not to the fault of the protesters, really. But imagine if it really was about revenge. Like, to, to me, it's just like the, the, the scale of what could happen to this country is um, interesting. It's something I play with in the back of my head every once in a while. So uh, it, it's just an interesting thing. I get... I sit back and think about what, what does a quote-unquote like race war look like in America, you know? Um, but yeah, definitely you gotta, you gotta topple Columbus. That's like the first one. That's a step. It's a slow step. Everything's been a slow step in, in our history, I feel. It's just, um, I think this is why, again, I say I get frustrated because of the amount of time it takes to, as I said earlier, what seems to be a simple concept. Yeah, but I mean, to the guys' points in, in the group chat, honestly, um, you know, is, is, is equality just, is shooting for equality going to do it? You know, like is shooting for 50% going to get you 50%? So, you know, and, you know and, and it's at a point where we're well within our rights to want that. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. And I, I think take, taking that approach too, as a country loving a very capitalist like mindset and being very economically like driven, you know, you see it with COVID 19 and a lot of. Uh, government being motivated on well the economy rather than well people's health and well-being 
it's very clear. So when you talk about one in 50-50, I think you're absolutely right. It's not good enough to aim for 50-50 because if you've ever been in a business deal, the the methodology, I mean, you, you do real estate, the methodology is shoot higher to expect lower results. Harry, we're definitely not getting used to it on capitalism. Thankfully, no one in the comment section asking you about communism right now. <laughs> or what country you live in. Or, or yeah, or what street. <laughs> but no, it's very true. Asking for 50-50 is, may not be effective and it's definitely not the language of the people that we're trying to speak to. So. And, but, but see, that's, that's, that's the issue in America. Capitalism? Yeah, actually. Because hear me out here, Tyler. I, Think I about you're it. You're right. <laughs> the beer. You're right. What the? You're right. You're right. By the way, quick break on this because Mother Earth Brewing, Big Mother Triple, this shit is fucking delicious. Pineapple triple IPA. Would you say it's the truth? Yes. <laughs> I like the pause. That, that, yeah, I have to think about it, but this is why, because you get, here are the tasting notes, rose blossom, wild blueberry, and tropical pineapple. So the rose kind of gives off, a, gives you like this more bitterness. It's delicate though. Um, and it, and it lends itself to being a little more dry than your typical pineapple type ale, which in this case is really good because you have a little bit of the dryness, you have the alcohol, but then the pineapple kind of mellows all that out. Look, pineapple is one of my favorite things you can add to any type of like alcoholic drink. I just, I don't know why it's top tier that mango top tier by the way this shit oh, is delicious oh I love that gin I, I, I think I brought no I got the rum last time I was down there but dogfish that, that, that's one of so it's very interesting to me that you brought that up because I was having a conversation last night with Adam from Mary's um, I was on the porch at Stephen's place talking talking about beer and we had mentioned dogfish head you know as being one of those beers that you know when you go to a store to pick up dogfish head it's like you, you have your staples but when you actually go to dogfish head it's amazing the like options in terms of beer that they have and especially like their yeah. uh distilled spirits that you can get yeah the spirits are amazing mm. I haven't looked into that, but I do know I do know about um, you know different you know different uh, groups of people or at least different countries and their reproductive rates and that and that type of thing. Um, back you know just kind of quick circling back into uh, what we were discussing before I just had my like beer epiphany over here. Yes. Um, you know, the, the issue with capitalism is that 
racist in America, racism is profitable. Mm-hmm. And that is based on what the country was founded on, the business model the country was founded on. I mean, it's just, it's profitable to be racist. It's profitable to not care about the lesser privileged because you prey on the lesser privileged to make your money. And you pit the middle class against the poor people and you have, you have them, you know, you have the middle class looking down, scared for their lives to be poor so that they never try to extend to this uber-rich, upper-class, you know, 2%, 1% level. Um, you know, that there's, there's that crazy, that, uh, that hallmark stat about where, like, 99% of the wealth is in America with, like, 2% of the people or 1% of the people or whatever that stat is. I mean, that's, that's capitalism, and that's the thing. That's how capitalism works. That's how you're going to end up because the people that have the resources and are big enough assholes, they're going to pray and take advantage of all the loopholes and all those issues, and they're going to put their money right into the pockets of the politicians to save themselves. Exactly what I was just about to bring up was the fact that I was having a conversation with Katya uh, in Germany about my perceived issues in the city of Reading currently in terms of, you know, where we're not having this conversation about the police force, and we're actually then increasing the budget the police force and having them have a bigger presence in the school and and the issue behind that and my i mentioned about you know certain people basically paying or buying their way in for certain programs or policies to either get passed or not passed you know we were looking at putting a splash park which eventually did get approved but it got it got delayed because of one certain individual who was unsure about if it was going to affect them or not. And then suddenly people on council who were in the same rooms of conversations now are certainly unsure about something and it has to be put on pause. And I was talking to her about this and I said, I'm frustrated with this and I I don't, I, I want something to change. And she goes, so you mean you want to end capitalism essentially is what she was saying like you're talking about capitalism like shit you're right yeah and harry's point is right on the money and it speaks to just what you said you know it's it's this lie that's fed it's this deception that's fed to normal people that you know what's what's the american dream you know you pick yourself up by your bootstraps and you work hard and you'll be like Jeff Bezos one day. You wait and see, you know. That's how great America is, you know. You can you can do it. But the reality is, you know, the average person is like one bad event away from being fucked. It's well, a huge thing. And, and that's, yeah. I, I think about that all the time. I mean, I honestly do because I, I, I think I've gotten to a point recently where, you know, I, I got a little more comfortable with finances, but 
I, I left my job back in October and was terrified because I had no like real fallback. And I quote unquote, you know, pulled myself up from the, from my, exactly what uh, Raj just said was I quote unquote pulled myself up from the bootstraps, but. What if you can't? Right. What if you can't do that? What, you know, you, you're, you're a special individual, you know, you have skills that you can use. I have privileges that allow me to do what I did. To, yeah, you, you were privileged to be, to grow up and cultivate those skills and to be able to have that entrepreneurial mindset. Not everyone can do that. My ass probably couldn't do that. You know, it, you know, that, that's just, that just is what it is. It's, it's a, it takes a very special individual and that's the high people highlight or, you know, they, they'll highlight the extremely privileged individual, but it's not just they're privileged plus they're exceptional people in whatever they're doing in terms of being gifted at it, even if that's bullshit. Right. It goes back to tennis with me when you talk about like Serena and Venus Williams, you know, pulling themselves up from their bootstraps to become these phenomenal tennis players. But eventually, you know, they were able to hit a certain type of privilege that allowed them to bolster themselves up and become these dominant forces. They, they were had to privileged. get there. Huh? They had, to, they had to work their, they had to work their asses off just to get to people perceiving them that way. Right. Exactly. Like, but, they, but even before that, you got to think like they did a lot of work with their father. They were privileged to have a father to work with them in that sense. And not to take anything, because I love, I love the Williams sisters. I, I, I love them. Um, but it's going back to what we talk about a lot of tennis players is the fact that they're being bred into these yeah. facilities in like Boca Raton, like to, to really be the best tennis players. And unless you're having those opportunities, there's really no, there's no chance of you Absolutely. going further. And that's just another example of the current – I think that's a perfect example of privilege to me because we were talking about, well, there's not enough black people in tennis and not being represented. And the fact that Arthur Ashe is, like, one of the only black males to really succeed on a certain level is exactly mirrored in my mind to the success of black people in America. It's You can have one or two people to say – look, they did it, so why isn't everybody else doing it? And I was like, well, you have to look back at all these privileges that existed. And the fact remains that because it is very few that's actually, quote unquote, becoming successful in that capacity, don't you think that maybe there are some barriers in place that are preventing these things from actually happening? Absolutely, Raj. Um, Black code. Because, because back then... Back then, with the advent of, um, or with the growing of, you know, industrial textile works and stuff, now that they had to, now that the North, you know, they were up there and they had to actually pay for employment, Black people come in, they are extremely hard workers, extremely skilled with their, with their hands, um, and doing these types of jobs. And I imagine they were probably very surprised to see that they were actually competent people too, you know, and 
that's just one of the many things. Uh, I, I think about again um, Tulsa. Then, like when you talk about Black Wall Street, and then like when you when you see an area that is doing well and is beginning to prosper, like what happens then? You 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 know you're withheld for however many years from actually having a fighting chance, and then things start to progress, but the rules and the laws of the land still allow opportunity for the oppressors to push push back and withhold that progress or relapse that progress you know um it's just and i think an important point is it's not just that the laws of the land that the oppressors are able to use the laws of the land they are the laws of the land the oppressor is the policy maker that's the issue if this were a third party policymaker that had no vested interest in either side, it would still be better than what we have right now. Even if we had like a cold, you know, we just had a cold, you know, statistics driven, like mechanical type presence as a policy decision maker that doesn't really care about civil issues, that's still better than oppressive laws like the black codes right all this being forced upon the less privileged simply because of the color of their skin so you know it it's it's just so crazy to me that um we can kind of think about america in these terms once you know this information like how do you write this stuff off if you have any kind of like conscience to me, I, I struggle with that one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I agree. So we got two minutes left. Um, it was a great episode. It was a needed episode. Tomorrow is Juneteenth. Please find some time for happiness. And, and enjoy and time for yourself. Uh, yeah. My silly job actually ended up giving us off. I, I know you have off. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm spending some time to catch up with some family tomorrow. So I, that's all I really want to end on is just encouraging you to, if, if you are black, you know, enjoy the day. If you are not black, show up for black people in some capacity, do your research, do some history, work on signing those petitions, work on challenging your city of officials. Don't let it just be on our shoulders. Uh, we, we deserve at least one day, you know? So Absolutely. That, that, that's kind of where I want to end on. Yeah. And I, I will just quickly say um, one, I have off tomorrow, the state, is actually recognizing Juneteenth, but I do have off tomorrow, motherfuckers. And uh, absolutely, invest in yourself, you know, work on your mental well-being because there's been a lot of crazy shit going on and it's it's hard to just give yourself a moment. Um, so definitely just, you know, take time for yourself. And so with these last 10 seconds, I just want to say thank you guys and we will be back 
next week. See ya. Peace. Peace.